0: We continue our study of Acts with chapter 3, verses 1 through 26, which tells of the healing of the lame beggar, which leads to Peter's second sermon to the Jews. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, Walking and Leaping and Praising God. Now, this is the first healing recorded in the book of Acts. It is an example of how such miracles took place you notice what Peter and John did in order to heal this guy? They merely spoke to him, then raised him up it 's tempting to point out that no one among the people in this generation who now claim to have the gift of healing do that. The sum total is zero that. Isn't being done today. Now, I'd be happy if it did, but that's not operating today. And we dealt with miracles and healing several times in the past, and I can direct you to recordings where we dealt with it in detail if you want to pursue it. But uh, just understand this is a profoundly obvious, spectacular miracle. Now, how did this man demonstrate faith? before he was healed. That's another important point. He didn't. He did nothing to show faith before he was healed. Teaching that people um, are not healed because they don't have enough faith is a perversion of what the Bible teaches, and every example of healing That we have. Those healed are often not believers. And by the way, to tell somebody, well, the reason you weren't healed is that you don't have enough faith or you haven't made a sufficient seed offering yet, that is one of the most cruel, blasphemous, anti Christian things anyone could ever say. Now, would you also notice how much time elapsed for this healing? to take effect. (laughs) Instantly. Instantaneous. The idea these days of, well, you, you can come forward and you can claim your healing and then as you pray and as you study and maybe as you give more, your miraculous healing may set in over the next several days. Totally contrary to the Bible. Now, what was the result of this miracle? Well, would you notice Peter and John did not say, form a line over here to wait for your healing? No, the, the, the purpose is that God was praised and the interest was piqued for people to hear why it had been possible. And as with all the miracles of Jesus and the apostles, it was directly tied to the proclamation of God's grace through the gospel. Now, I'll give you a hint based on some of those things we've just said. If you hear um, an advertisement, there's a certain sign on a certain road at a certain church that we go by many times a week that uh, advertises their healing service. When you see that, just keep driving. That's not a Christian gathering. Never is the purpose gathering for healing, gathering for miracles. When the Holy Spirit actually works, whether it is a miracle or if it's the providential use of other non-miraculous gifts that God gives, the attention when the Holy Spirit works is never on the Holy Spirit. The attention is always not on the miracle and not on the person healed. It's on the Savior. It's on the gospel. And that's the point here. The man never walked. The miracle totally healed immediately. Now, the message, Peter's message. God intended this miracle to gather a crowd, to draw attention. So let's examine this message, and we're going we're gonna to plow through it all the way, but let's look for us for what applications we can make for how we talk about the Lord when we have an opportunity, because our situation is quite different from that one. But let's read about this this message that Peter preached. Chapter 3, we'll start at verse 12. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people. See, he saw what? Well, he saw everybody in the whole temple running over to see what would happen. And this guy walking and leaping and praising God, and they'd walk past him who knows how many times and, and, and maybe drop something in the cup. And here's this guy leaping and praising God. And so they're all running together, and Peter says, "'Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us?' Well, come on, Peter. It's because of what the guy's doing when, after you healed him. But he says, "'As if by our own power or piety, we made him walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus.'" It took him, what, two sentences? And the subject is now Jesus. That's the point of the miracle. Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the Prince of Life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses." And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Now, if that's referring to the man receiving faith then the man got saved that day, I'd sure like to think that he he did. And I think he began a, a gymnastics fellowship immediately for... The people around. The miracle is spectacular. People are rightly amazed and and curious, and Peter immediately shifts the focus of attention from the guy to God. Not on not on himself, not on him and John, not on the healed man. He was quite specific. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release Him. Wow. What credit did He take for the healing? None. It all belongs entirely to God. And as I said, they didn't tell people to line up for their turn to be healed they immediately turned the attention attention of the Father and Son. If if they had done 50 more healings that day, it would not have served any further purpose to accredit the message of Peter and John. Now, since you can't speak to that generation who killed Jesus, what should you say to someone in place of what Peter said in their in verses 14 and 15, about you killed Jesus, you, you shouted out to Pilate. Well, the way to import the message from that generation to any generation, to any culture, is to point out that Christ died in your place, He rose again, and He calls you to Himself. It, it's that simple. Turn the attention to Jesus, Now, do you see also in this passage the responsibility of God, or the the responsibility of man, and the sovereignty of God are again both stated side by side? Side by side. Look at verses 17 and 18. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Again, Peter's saying what he said back in chapter 2. This plan was announced by God hundreds of years in advance. And sinners sent Jesus to the cross, but sinners are also responsible for you disowned the holy and righteous one. And today people are responsible for their personal version of you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. So you knew this was coming. Look at verse 19 and following. Therefore, because God did this, because you disowned the holy and righteous one, God raised him up. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from ancient times. Now that, that phrase, times of refreshing, and the phrase, the period of restoration, they're two different ways of referring to the millennial kingdom. Just like Peter did in chapter 2, when he connected the arrival of the Holy Spirit to Joel's prophecy about the Messianic kingdom, he says the same thing here in different words. This is the plan of God. Jesus came. He died. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended to the Father, and He's going to stay there until He brings the kingdom to earth. So, once you have someone's attention, even if you don't have a formerly lame guy walking and leaping and praising God, and you've explained that Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures, what do you do next? Well, I suggest take your cue from Peter. Therefore, repent and return. Now, There's a lot of things that Peter didn't say here. He doesn't say, ask Jesus into your heart. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.